0: On today's show, a lot of heartburn over the proposed food tax increase.
1: And the question, censure over impeachment? Representative Ben McAdams is on the censure train.
0: Tune in Monday through Thursday, 9 to 11, for Dave and I'm Scott Trout,
1: CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on.
0: Contact Cordell, Cordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404.
1: Welcome to Innovation and Leadership. This is part two of our interview with Teresa Drewler.
0: Everyone's input is valuable. Um, when I hear comments like, that person's new so they don't really know... That means they're not, they're not going to collect new ideas. They're not going to be looking for fruit from that, that tree. And they should be because the person who hasn't done this work before has beginner mind, which means they see everything new and fresh.
1: This is another episode of our Innovation and Leadership series where we interview pro athletes, world-class musicians, CEOs, Hollywood filmmakers, and a wide variety of other high achievers. Also, I want to talk to you about one of our show's sponsors. I met these guys back on episode six. CEO Zach Smith was telling me all about starting a skateboard company and how much he hated doing the bookkeeping uh, for a skateboard shop and how he really uh, got led to start this business, Bookly, that's a hybrid combining bookkeeping software and human services. And I'll tell you why I let him become a sponsor. It's because I use their service now. I don't love paying 50 bucks an hour for bookkeepers to do stuff that I know software could do way, way cheaper. But uh, I don't love bookkeeping at all. So I want a real live human who knows what they're talking about to help me with the stuff I don't understand. Uh, probably the straw that broke the camel's back for me, though. The thing that put me over the top was that they could do my taxes and payroll also. Um, so totally suggest checking them out. Go to their website, bookly.co, and check out their flat rates. I've been super happy with them. So now on to today's episode. She's the executive director from the Manufacturing Extension Partnership, not program. Yeah. Uh, it's MEP.Utah.edu, or if you're in another state, just search your state and, and MEP. Um, they're kind of like Santa because they can get grant money and other things to, to help you if you're a manufacturing company. Uh, and, and talk about specifically the things that you help with.
0: So we help with um, growth, anything that a company is trying to do as far as new products, new markets, um, expanding, ramping effectively. We help with cost savings, identifying where uh, companies can do more with um, obtaining cost savings within their production or supply chain. Um, we work with uh, helping to offset the costs of training, so workforce education and training, and uh, pretty much anything that helps a manufacturer be more competitive in manufacturing.
1: That's great. Yeah. So um, I want to continue our conversation about operational excellence, continuous improvement, Kay. lean journey. Yeah. Pick, pick your name here, right? Yep. Um, I, I. So our one, you know, we have a few corporate companies also besides our media company here, innovation leadership. One of them is called Mylan Advisors, our consulting firm, mm-hmm. and we named it Mylan specifically because of a gap we see in the corporate training world, where Um, so myelin is that stuff that wraps around the neurons in your brain, helps you, helps you think faster, right? Myelin sheath. And just hearing about something once doesn't grow any myelin sheath in the brain nobody becomes an expert at a two day seminar. Right. 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 And so we wanted to kind of address like, Hey, you know, pro athletes, FBI hostage negotiator, special ops guys, you Mm -hmm. know, nobody is letting the special ops guy go rescue the reporter that got kidnapped in Iraq because he didn't leave the, the PowerPoint presentation before 5. P.M. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Like it takes like the meaningful repetitions that turn into proficiency before they sign off. Right. right? And so we hired a bunch of those guys to work for us to talk about, here's how I did it in my world. Um, What principles can you adapt to your world? Right. So when you think about specifically somebody who wants to up their game when it comes to OPEX and they really want to achieve that next, that next tier of mastery. Right. Who have you seen, for examples, or what are some of the like, real-life people that you know or, or yourself as you gained more mastery? What do you feel like in this world the meaningful repetition should be or how to get yourself to do them or anything in that you, you
0: world? You do just have to do it. Um, so I think it's, it's questioning your own assumptions. So I, I like the phrase, don't believe what you think. Don't always – don't believe everything you think because uh, you might think, oh, I've gotten that perfected or I've done that. Just that's – I can't make it better now. That's probably not true. Um, Continuous improvement is actually all about continually improving. So um, I always challenge your own thoughts about what more could be done and keep trying, keep doing new things, and actually don't be afraid of failure. So – Say you did, uh, so you did a little 5s project, and you wanted to organize things in your work area, and you did that, and that worked, and that made you more efficient. So that's great. But now maybe you want to look at it again, and you want to try and improve it for the ergonomics. So you want to reduce your motion, or you want to reduce motions that aren't natural for your body, and so you challenge yourself to find that solution. And then maybe the next thing you might do is um, customize something for yourself in that workspace, so that you now are even more efficient and faster. So not not really uh, not accepting status quo is one way that, that we all continuously improve, and the other is to try new things that maybe you're not an expert at, um, but just go ahead and try it. It's okay, even if you fail, but to be okay with that, just keep trying. Um, I go to I go to workshops. I read books. I uh, stream things online. um, I go to conferences. I'm continually taking in new information and learning about things that I already know about and been working on for 20 years maybe, learning about them from a different perspective. And I think that that's another good thing to keep doing is just keep learning. Even if you think you already know everything there is to know about 5S, you can probably learn something else.
1: Yeah. Um, So I'm thinking about just in the last couple months, I've toured two different facilities that are... I'll just generalize them they're doing with moving a lot of paper around and doing things with the paper okay right? and um I certainly saw some things there's a few things on wheels there's a few visual boards there's some stuff for f- but they both described themselves as a oh, we do lean right, right right and in like just the quickest glance I'm seeing like you know 40 examples of things I saw elsewhere that could be done here right, right? um how do you think for people who who do self describe as we do continuous improvement, how do you think they can create the kind of schedule that helps them challenge themselves more often? Or like nitty gritty, like have have a weekly like what have a weekly get together with the group and talk about hey we haven't had enough submissions this <laughs> this week or like what what can that look like systematically to well, push themselves?
0: Yeah, in in my own experience, I always use whatever the company needs. Um, so is the, does the company need to um, reduce their cycle time? Does the company need to take cost out? Does the company need to avoid uh, operator or technician burnout? And so I use those as drivers uh, to call my attention to the areas that I should be doing a continuous improvement work on. And then um, I set a, a goal for that and, and make sure that I actually hold myself accountable to that goal. So um, I have definitely toured facilities where they say they're doing lean and you see, you know, a few examples of lean. Yes. But everybody's on a lean journey. And so um, you just sort of start where you are and keep working on it. So if you've learned to... um,
1: Oh, but it's the keep working on it part that I want to talk about. Right. The reducing the feelings of complacency. Right. Because... Let's face it, even the few things they did probably did a lot better. I'm sure. But then so-and-so had this big emergency, and we all had to get this stuff out. Exactly. And so our our review of submissions this week didn't happen this week, and then it didn't happen again next week. Oh, Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Like like avoiding complacency.
0: You need to have a cadence um, for Mm. improvement. You need to have an end goal in mind, and you need to have a cadence that's going to get you there.
1: Like scheduled measurement, right?
0: Yeah, scheduled measurement. Um, Typically, I like to be out on the floor every single day. Um, when I'm working in, in a manufacturing facility, um, even if it means I'm just walking through. even You know, if I'm really busy, something's come up, I, a customer came into town, I still want to walk through and at least see, does everything look the same? Does it look worse? Does it look better? Um, I mean, you're looking at your metrics. That's one way that you know. Um, another way you know that you're improving is that you have people actually changing things. So just, do things look different? honestly. Does it look different or does it look exactly the way it looked a month ago? If everything looks the same, then you aren't actually making change. Um, even if people are saying they're making change, I-, I doubt there's change actually happening. So things should be looking different. They should be feeling different. There should be some things that aren't going well because somebody tried something and didn't quite work. Um, if you're using PDCA, you'll learn quickly rather than and for slowly. People
1: who, for people who don't know where that came from or what it yeah. stands for, can you...
0: It's a a methodology for change, anything you're you're trying to change, plan, do, check, act. So you plan what you're going to do. You actually um, do what you're going to do, so plan, do, check. In advance, you think about what are we going to check to make sure that this worked effectively? Um, How soon will we know who will see it? Uh, If it goes wrong, how soon will we know that? Who will see it? And then the last one is act, PDCA, plan, do, check, act. So you plan it, you do it, you check, did that work the way we thought if it didn't, what should we do quickly um, to, to fix that? And then act as if it did work, then you, you make that your permanent new condition. That's your, now your new status quo. So um, when people are going through PDCA, sometimes you get to the check and it didn't It didn't turn out the way you thought it was going to. Um, that's why you have the check step so you can make sure everything went according to plan. Um, but you should see sometimes you succeed, sometimes you fail, and you're having to address that. So, um, I mean, I every day I'm on the floor. I've got metrics that we're trying to meet, monthly goals and output and uh, targets on improvement. And, and are those
1: and, written right up on the board for everybody to see? Yes,
0: yes. I think the transparency... Transparency and understanding. So it's not enough to have it on a board. Everybody who's working in that area needs to know what that means. They need to know what those numbers are. They need to know where those numbers come from. They need to know how they're contributing to those numbers and to the outcome. If they don't know those things, then having the visual metrics is not as, as uh, helpful as you think it is.
1: Also, I want to give a shout out to one of our sponsors, Skillshare. They're doing a promo for us. For everybody listening to the show, it's Skillshare.com leader where they're going to let anybody get two months of access to their 18,000 classes for just 99 cents uh, at that code skillshare.com leader. And I think for me, one of the reasons that I like skillshare and, and probably like the classes that are most attractive to me are the really high credibility ones. Like you can learn email marketing from MailChimp. I mean, these are the guys that make $500 million a year sending email out for their customers. They've got the data. They've, they're legitimate experts on the subject. And as I'm getting advice, I know that I should be building my list better than I am. That's the kind of people that I want to get my advice from. And, and you can get it right there on those classes. One last time, uh, if you want that 99 cents for the two months, it's Skillshare.com slash leader. Well, so this is what I'm so fascinated by this world you've been in for 20 years, right? Mm-hmm. Is I feel like, you know the way a lot of corporate America works, at least is we look at the orchard of staff and we pick who's the most promising, who's producing the most fruit yeah. and we transplant them to the front and they're yeah. the boss, right? right? And then he gets to pick a couple of other high producing fruits and they'll, they're the VPs or whatever. Yeah. And we're just going to gather fruit from the trees that produce the most fruit. And that's where all the ideas are going to come from the company and all the rest of you staff are just going to do what we said, right? right? Where this world is like, hey, even the new tree that's not producing as much fruit Let's gather the fruit it is producing. Like, let's, yeah. let's gather the ideas from the whole orchard, like right. whole orchard innovation. That's right. like my like tagline for what you guys do.
0: And, and the expectation needs to be set that everyone can contribute and everyone's input is valuable. Um, when I hear comments like that person's new, so they don't really know. That means they're not, they're not going to collect new ideas. They're not going to be looking for fruit from that that tree and they should be because the person who hasn't done this work before has beginner mind which means they see everything new and fresh they see the things and they can ask the questions about why do we do it like that what happens if we do it a different way that everyone else has stopped asking right and maybe there wasn't a good answer a year ago or 2 years ago but maybe today there is a good answer so even the new people who don't know much they can contribute a lot and they should be expected to contribute a lot. People should be asking them questions and listening to their answers.
1: Well, and so, you know, corporate America is full of shoulds. Yeah. And what I love about this whole world is that they actually schedule time for that. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not like, oh yeah, remember in between the, you know how you have like enough time to get done 10 things today at work today, but there's 60 on the list. Yeah. We're going to add 61. Remember to ask your new people for ideas. I think that's not going to happen. Right. But if it's like on the calendar schedule, everybody show up for the stand-up meeting in front of the visual board. Right. You know, uh, I like this new book, new book, two-second lean or three-second lean. Yeah, you yeah. Know? And he's like, he like literally goes around the room. He's like, Hey, it's your day. Right. And he's like, I don't have anything. He's like, well, just give me something that makes, makes your process three seconds faster. Exactly. And then I want you to shoot your iPhone video before and after of it.
0: Exactly. And all of a
1: sudden they come up with it. Right. And it's like, Oh, that's how things work around here. Yeah. Like I'm expected to bring my brain to work.
0: Right. People not only, um, want me to do it, but they believe that I can, they believe that I'll have something worthwhile. And so, um, and it doesn't have to be huge, right? It can be small. Actually, small is good, right? Because you can get it done. Um, and I, I also really mm-hmm. like that book. I think it's fantastic. And it's a
1: lot more fun. like Yeah, it's you know, super fun. I love the, like, Jeffrey Liker's uh, Toyota Way Lean Leadership. Yep. You know, like, there's some great, the Gamble Walks books, you yep. know, whatever. But his is, like... Funny and entertaining and unintimidating.
0: Yeah, I think so too. What's his name again?
1: Do you remember? I Acre? don't. I, Paul, Acre, Paul maybe? Aker. Paul Aker. Yeah, that him? yeah. The okay. desk
0: is actually on my book, or my the book is actually on my desk. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, I think that's really good, and they have great video examples posted on their website, and so that's a great resource as well. But that idea that everyone can contribute and should contribute and and is expected to, yeah. even if it's something small, and I, I think that does give people purpose at work, which they want. Everyone wants purpose.
1: Yeah. Okay, here's my right-angle transition. Kay. Speaking about purpose, we'd like yeah. to ask all our guests for our charity, Child Rescue, which our listeners are more familiar with. If you are our advisor on how to get more people to care about, you know, uh, protecting kids from from traffickers and, and from yeah. abuse, yeah. What, what's, your, what's your advice for us?
0: Um, I, I would probably give examples of what it looks like. Uh, not only... Uh, example of a child being trafficked what that looks like but a trafficker what that looks like Um, because that could look like somebody right next door there's a whole range right there's a whole range of what that could look like and I think being open to the idea that um, it could it could look like anything I think is a is a good a good way to educate people about being aware and being conscious of it
1: yeah I think making it more visual helps people spot it when they see it right yeah
0: exactly Okay, that's yeah. a good one. I mean, I spent a lot of time at airports, and I never realized how much trafficking occurs in airports.
1: Right under the noses of everybody, right? Right,
0: exactly, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's a good advice. Um, okay, another one of our questions. Who's somebody that set a good example for you early in your career, early in life as far as how to treat others? Any uh, names come to mind? Yes,
0: Irv Logan. He was a plant manager um, that I worked for. And, what, what industry? Uh, semiconductors. Okay. Yep. And uh, he was one of the first that took me seriously when I asked questions about my career. And I said, you know, I'm not really sure which direction I want to go. These are the kinds of things I'm interested in. And he took time out to talk to me about it and give me suggestions and encouragement. And then he really, he was one of those people that listened. He really treated people with respect and valued what they had to say. And he wasn't, uh, you know, he wasn't meek. He, he was a pretty forceful guy, but he definitely took the time to listen to people and hear what they had to say.
1: That's less common, isn't it? Somebody who's more of a hard charger.
0: He's a, he was a hard charger
1: willing to like rein it in yep. and really listen.
0: Yeah. So you, you sort of got the impression that he had worked on that, hmm. right? That maybe it wasn't something that came naturally, but he understood the value of it. And so he took the time to master that skill.
1: Yeah. Um, so anybody who's a leader today listening to the show that wants to work on that skill, mm-hmm. any advice for, you know, how do we go from 80% talking, 20% listening to maybe flipping the ratio?
0: Um, so one of the things that I've done with my teams in the past is um, we, we both commit to an improvement project of some kind and we hold each other accountable. So let's say I'm a manager who wants to learn to listen more. So you have a trusted, either a peer or a trusted direct report, and you say, this is my, what I'm trying to do, and I want you to hold me accountable in these situations. If you see me doing this behavior, please, you can have a signal or a sign or something, please hold me accountable. And then that person also selects something that they want to work on improving, and they ask to be held accountable as well. So you're both in this learning curve, you're both going through the same kind of experience, and you have someone to hold you accountable. It is so hard to evaluate your own behavior. You really need someone else to observe and give you feedback. And real-time feedback is super helpful um, when you're practicing a new skill.
1: Yeah. Um, You know, I I just did an interview with Stephen Covey's son, David Covey uh-huh. came out with a new book called Trap Tales. It's good. Ah. Um, and we were talking about the future of the training world mm-hmm. and how you know, the millennials don't want to be trained the way the baby boomers were used to it with PowerPoint and the handbook. You yeah. know? And, and just instructor-led training. And I'm interested if um, you see the same trends in this world. So he and I were talking about how the two-day seminar with the handbook business is really... Uh, going away in certain ways right and that there's like a polarization where it's mostly going to shorter digital more easily consumable type of content and then there's part of it that's going to more expensive one-on-one personal advice consultant advisor kind of work right do you see that in this space also or not as much
0: so we do see that we see that a lot of um, folks will pay for and attend training, but they have a really hard time then bridging into the application of it. And so then they get additional support through us or someone else in the one-on-one applying their concepts to uh, some problem or some issue on their floor. So we do see a lot of that. Um, I think that that is always a good idea is to have someone really supporting you, whether it's a sensei that you met somewhere else. That's how I learned. I, I learned from a sensei at another company who, who uh, donated their time to help me learn, Lean. Or if you contract with a consultant or get some other um, help, it's really great to have the hands-on support, the one-on-one feedback, live, real-time. Personalized. Personalized to you. Because everyone has strengths and weaknesses, good to leverage their strengths as much as possible. So you can yeah. have a really good coach or someone to help you saying, yes, that's ideal that's great keep doing that Uh, maybe modify this here's here's some options for how to modify it that works with your style Um, i think that's really valuable
1: interesting so um i was thinking about the different things that you guys help with and if we didn't give out the website it's mep.utah.edu for for the utah folks and everybody else can just you know google your state and and mep for the manufacturing extension partnership (laughs) Um, but you were talking about um, kind of anything that you know retains jobs, grows sales, this kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Um, can they get grants for things that help with like sales and marketing programs or yeah. internal stuff?
0: How, yes. Wh- what
1: are the What are the limitations there? What are the What what comes under the umbrella?
0: So our limitations are that we do consulting and services. So we don't pay for materials or brochures, marketing materials, but. We do try to stay up on what other things are available. So we know the FDA has a program that's available for food manufacturers. If they want to advertise or market um, overseas, anywhere internationally, they have a program that pays for half of their marketing budget. Yep. Wow. It's significant, right? So that's not something we do, but we try to stay aware of all the other programs that are available. So things that we can't support, that could support. Um, What our program would support is – Uh, services in helping you decide which markets to go after or what are the right businesses and how can you decide which what segment of that market you should be entering so that's something we could help in but then actually having to go into that market and get the advertising dollars and um, that's something that some other programs have money for as well so we try to connect our clients to those channels okay yeah
1: Um, I know we're about out of time for part two of the episode here Um, just to close with what's Either your choice here, either the best advice you've ever received Hmm. or something that I didn't ask that you feel like a lot of people forget to ask that that you feel like should be addressed.
0: Oh. Um, I think the the best advice probably that I ever got was everyone's doing the best they can with the information they have available to them. And if you sort of approach things in that way, I mean, maybe it's not – always 100% true. But if you approach life in that way, um, you can be much better at problem solving and helping people get to where they need to go than if you take a different view. So I think that's probably the best advice. It's sometimes hard to apply if you feel like they're not doing the best they can. But if you think of it as, well, with what they have available to them right now, they're doing the best they can. So what else can we do to make things go better? What else can we do to address the situation?
1: Uh, think about that book, Humble Inquiry, that we both like so much, and yeah. Shine, if you'd... Haven't Amazon that yet, folks. But uh, you think about if that's my root cause analysis, then it leads me to ask what can I do to change the information they're evaluating this decision based on, right?
0: Which is a much more powerful place to be than I'm relying on this person to do something differently. Um, Just being able to ask those questions and have that different mindset I think is is really a, a powerful place to be, yeah.
1: That's great. Okay. Well, thanks for spending so much time with us here.
0: Thank you. I appreciate it.
1: Well, that's it for the episode. One other thing I wanted to tell you about, if you'll remember the guys from Convoy uh, in episodes back, Ken Free and Trent Mano, I went on one of their CEO trips to New York and I met a guy named Brent Thompson, very successful entrepreneur. He was former CEO of Jive Communications, big uh, company now, I think three or $400 million. Anyways, he, uh, he started a new company called BlipBillboards.com. I'm super stoked they're a sponsor now. But I remember a year and some ago when I met him, I thought it was genius. Instead of having to buy six months or a year's worth of billboard uh, for thousands of dollars, you can buy eight seconds at a time for like 10 or 20 cents. You pick what billboard you want it on, what time of day you want it to run. And it just puts so much power in the hands of, of marketers and CEOs who want to try something and see if it works you can buy as many or as few as you want change it as many times as you want uh, i think now our podcast is being advertised on billboards in like 18 different states because we have these guys as sponsors we're pretty excited about it hope you check out blip billboards.com thanks